Welcome to the Tactics Meeting. I'm Dan Smiley, your planning section chief. Today we're coming from the very informal setting of my backyard. I've got a recording that we did at the Northwest Area Regional Communications Workshop. It was done by Darcy Bird of the Washington State Department of Ecology, and she covered the 96-hour checklist, which is a component of the Northwest Area Contingency Plan. This checklist provides us a roadmap, a, a framework for how response should evolve in those early hours. And it's really helpful, no matter whether you're in command or the JIC or liaison or, or operations to say, hey, at, at two hours, we expect that we've accomplished these things. At six hours, we've done a little bit more. At 12 hours, we can expect that we've accomplished uh, all of these additional items on the checklist. It's an important document that helps us plan for response. Uh, Darcy did a really wonderful job of going through it, and I hope you find it useful. I'm Darcy Bird. I'm from the Department of Ecology. I'm currently the Planning Unit Supervisor for the Preparedness Section, so you probably see me around if you do contingency planning or geographic response planning, um, and sometimes I play in the JIC. Um, so you've probably seen me there as well. So today I'm going to talk about the 96-hour plan. Um, and so the 96-hour plan is a plan that lives within the Northwest Area Contingency Plan, which you can find at rt10wac.com slash nwacp. And it's going to be in the 9000 section, which is where all the tools live in the Northwest Area Contingency Plan. And hopefully you've read it before you got here today. But if you didn't, I'm going to go over all of it. So no worries. We're gonna go over today what's in that 96 hour checklist in the tool. We're also gonna talk about the strategic messaging bit and some of the other best practices that are listed in the plan. And uh, we'll see what's in there and then maybe figure out what needs to be added or maybe updated a little bit. Um, when you look back at these slides, these are all links that will take you directly to all of our fancy different tools. So that's there for you for later. So the Northwest Area Contingency 96-hour plan is a living document with their with the best practices in it, and they're a place where we could put better practices in the future. It's providing guidelines rather than rules, and it's really telling our responders, hey, you're in a response now. What are things you can do today to make tomorrow, the next day, and the day after that even better for you, right? Um, so we're trying to think past the initial, initial response into, into our strategy. How are we going to take care of this response? How are we going to communicate long-term about this response? And it's another tool in our toolbox, right? So this is something that you can bring with you to the drill and literally check off as you're going along if you're a leadership if you're in the leadership position during a response. So the checklists are the first portion of the plan. So essentially, um, the first like five or six pages are all checklists, and these checklists are wonderful. I've organized them a little bit so these are if you're looking at the plan right now, these are going to be all out of order. But essentially, in the first two hours of a response, this is the checklist that they give you, right? So they're talking about things like assessing the spill, who you're supposed to be notifying, connecting with, what kind of safety information you need to start sending out, what you need to start documenting in those first two hours of the spill. And for the communication piece, the two things that they want people to be doing in those first two hours of a spill is identifying the PIO in each response agency and connecting to the other PIO. So all the PIOs need to get together. And the second piece is, then we need to be issuing an initial joint press release between 30 minutes and two hours after the incident. 
So those are the two things that they're asking us to communicate in the first two hours of a spill. Then as we move to the first three hours of the spill, the next things that we're beginning to think about, so these are checklist items that you're starting, not finishing on these timelines. We're still assessing the spills. So we're looking at what are the resources at risk? Or do we need a scientific support coordinator on scene? Do we need to get the captain of the port involved? These are things that we're starting. And for the notification section, we're looking at contacting local, local emergency managers. We're looking at making broader tribal elected official and stakeholder notifications through the liaison unit. And we're also thinking about locating and securing joint command posts. So basically getting everybody in the same room together to start talking to each other and communicating within internally. As we move into hour five, the things that we're starting to think about are transitioning to a joint command post, so getting into a unified command, evaluating all of our resources at risk. So the environmental unit should be developing their documentation. And then we're looking at different response considerations. And when you're looking at this checklist as a communicator, a lot of these things that are getting started in the EU or in the response area are things that we're going to be communicating about later. So if, they're, if folks are putting together um, you know, identifying not and notifying commercial and private fish and shellfish owners, that might be something that we have to communicate about as well, right? That we know that there are these folks in the area and we are communicating with them. Um, and in the bottom with the communicate section, we have established liaison between governments and governors if you have a cross-border incident. And if, if we're considering use of dispersants and in-situ burning, we're notifying trustees and tribes. So in these early hours, we're already starting to try and communicate out about how we're making decisions within the response, especially around big issues like dispersants and in-situ burning. Um, so the next checklist is hour 10, so end of the day. So this is the end of day one for the checklists. So we have our unified command established. We've got a situation display. We've got all of our facts and figures in front of us. So those are things we would be communicating out as the JIC. Um, we have our more of our resources at risk assessments. We're looking at, you know, do we need somebody to give us a forecast? Do we need to complete our ICS 232? Um, and then at the bottom in the communicate section, we have a whole laundry list of things that we are supposed to have at least begun by hour 10. So we want to have a communication plan that has been established, which includes the timing of media releases, social media, and the press conference protocols. We want to have begun drafting social media plan for the UC approval. We want to conduct media briefings and consider updating the press release, launch a unified incident-specific website, establish the liaison plan that includes coordinated points in all appropriate agencies and organizations, and establish a briefing schedule for elected officials and agencies. So those are the things that should have been started, and hopefully we've got a really good grasp around within the, the first day of the incident, right? And so these checklists go into days two and three. So on day two, the checklist is a little bit shorter, but within day two, we have, we want to make sure that our safety plan is out and we've briefed it to folks. And then we have all these great response considerations, like do we need to have a marine transportation system recovery unit, MITSRU set up and things like that with our wildlife. We want to have assess wildlife impacts on day two is where it's listed in the plan. Um, but we should have been, like Jenny said yesterday, communicating about this well before <laughs> we have this day two checklist, right? Um, so maybe that's something that we need to have added to the checklist um, as an example. And then at the bottom with communicate for day two, we want to make sure that our regional response team is plugged in. So we're communicating with that larger body. Um, we want to make sure that we've communicated the claims process to the communities, municipalities, and business owners who have been affected. 
Um, we want to make sure that our information officer and liaison officer are determining if we need community meetings. Um, and then we need to also decide how we're hosting and touring media around the incident and also establish a volunteer policy. And that's going to be through our liaison unit. Um, and then day three, which I promise is the last checklist, so I'll probably start talking a little bit slower. Um, basically, the day three checklist is make sure that you have a battle rhythm moving forward, right? We want to make sure that we know what we're doing. We're adjusting our daily cycle of activities. We're communicating regularly, activating a volunteer management plan if it is needed. Um, and so these checklists are really broad, and they have a lot of things that are not representative of every incident so you wouldn't be doing every single one like this isn't like a punch list but is a we need to think about are we doing this are we not kind of list right um and then the back half of the 96 hour plan is a lot of information about strategic messaging so there's a whole notification um matrix that i did not include in here because it was very big <laughs> so you can look at that um, but with the strategic messaging and outreach guidance in the 96 hour plan, this is currently what it says, right? So we want to have really good strategic messaging and that the goal of our strategic messaging is rapid, aggressive and targeted messaging that comes out in a timely fashion. Um, and we want to gain the confidence of the public tribes and trustees. And we want to ensure that our decision makers, so the folks in the unified command know what the communication landscape is. They know how we're communicating and why we're using the channels that we're using. Um, we want to make sure that any messages that we put out are put out with intentional planning. So we want to have a flow of credible information. So it's not just putting out a message, but having a plan for how that message is, messaging is going to go moving forward, right? We want to have a flow of information throughout the day, week, however long the response lasts. And we want to have uh, short-term and long-term communication strategies. So what do we need to get out right now? And what are things that we need to have a longer-term strategy for communication, right? Like what are things that we need to be educating people on, that sort of thing. Um, and then part of the building on the strategic messaging portion of the plan, it really focuses on that these relationships that we build before a spill happens are going to help us communicate during a spill. So it really emphasizes developing relationships with the media and elected officials before oil ever hits the water and um, making uh, making sure that when you're building those relationships, you're building trust. So when you do put out messages, those messages are clear and compelling to the local audience, right? Because you've already built the trust of the local area. There's also a bit about strategic messaging plans, which really emphasizes that they should be forward-looking, anticipating issues, and include detailed information about those issues. So how are we going to deal with specific local issues in an area that the spill is occurring in? And we want to really get into what are the specific impacts to the community. So we want to be making sure that we're talking to something very specific and not general boilerplate language with these plans. Um, so some of the examples that they list in the plan are using the volume of a spill in terms of potential maximum quantity. Um, and this was something that was listed in the plan, so that's why it's up here. Um, and then uh, getting agreement about what facts can be sent out immediately. So what forms can we use? What, where, where is our credible information coming from? Um, and then being prepared to speak about our broader preparedness plans when we're in those early hours of an incident um, to speak to what is our framework for response and the assets being brought to bear on the response. So these are kind of some of the examples that were listed in the 96 hour plan for how to uh, do good strategic messaging. And then there's a little section about risk communication, which focuses on conveying 
information about public safety, environmental concerns, and security threats. And what they point to is who are the good people to be giving those messages? Is that a NOAA scientific support coordinator? Do you need to pull in an academic ex expert to help with those that risk communication? Are there local emergency managers? So that was part of the, the thinking about how we're getting our messaging out and how we're talking about risk to our local communities. Um, there's a media outreach section that's, that um, stresses that PIOs should be conducting rapid and aggressive media outreach during a major response. And that the outreach focus should be de demonstrating and conveying the cap capability of the unified command to manage the response. So we're trying to avoid competing in contrary or misleading information. Um, and if even if our information is incomplete, we should be having some kind of information going out. Even if we don't know the whole story, we should still be telling what we do know to um, the folks in the media. And then there's a really great section about web-based media, television, and print. Um, and really what this boils down to is really getting up quickly onto these web-based platforms. Information that is relevant to our audience and making sure that we're not having an information void. So we're not having a website up that doesn't have anything on it, that sort of thing. Um, and also trying to think ahead about how we get incident-specific websites up and how we make it so that all the folks in the um, Unified Command can collaborate on those incident-specific websites. And then also thinking ahead with the social media aspect, who has access to what platforms and how do we get those messages out on the relevant platforms for our audience when we know that there are certain hiccups in that process, right? So having those open conversations within the JIC to make sure that we know what platforms we can use and why we're using the platforms we're using. And then I'm not going to go too heavily into this, but there is two um, really great pages about what information should be in the first and second press releases. So just kind of a laundry list of things that we can be adding to those press releases as we know them. Um, and the, the first press release goes out within 24 hours. The second news release goes within the greater than 24 hours. Um, and I believe that that is my very quick <laughs> and dirty summary of everything that's in the 96 hour plan. This is my dog. So hopefully that makes up for how dry this presentation was. Um, she's our local stream enthusiast. So she's the one who's gonna be yelling at you about oil in her stream. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the tactics meeting. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or a colleague. If you have an idea for an episode or you would like to be a guest or just have a comment, you can email us. The address is podcast at the tactics meeting dot online.